to America is presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the So we'll do our like little intro and sponsors and stuff, and then we'll go into the interview. All right, so we're ready. Hey guys, just want to say, what episode are we on, Jacob? This will be episode 118. 118. So before we get started with episode 118, I want to give a shout out to Fightback CVD at fightbackcvd.com, our main sponsor. They're pretty freaking awesome. They, uh, they basically like honestly guys if you're in the mma world if you're doing a kind of mixed martial arts if you're into mountain biking as i'm into mountain biking and sometimes you hit your knees and you need a little bit <laughs> to help you recover uh the uh the lavender infused one really helps me out so i highly highly recommend them guys not just because they sponsor the show but also because their product really works so check them out at fightbackcbd.com and make sure to type in america to get 10 percent off to, uh, you know, and you can also get yourself a T-shirt while you're there. Yes, there are T-shirts there now. I like officially checked right before we started recording, so I was like, I'm gonna see if I back up some T-shirts. So mm-hmm. go there, buy yourself a T-shirt, enter in promo code America to get 10 percent off of that. Because if you're like me, you like to pay as little as you can, but yeah. you want to have some nice stuff. So they got some nice stuff there. They got some rash guards. They even got vape cartridges if you're into that kind of stuff. I'm not into that. I like the good old fashioned just drip drops under the tongue. <laughs> and like I always said, two drops under the tongue. Whatever you do, fight back CBD will have you feeling tip top magoo. And you do say that a lot. <laughs> I do, yeah. I just like the way it sounds, man. Yeah. It sounds cool. And um, also, too, before we get started, make sure you check out this podcast as well as a bunch of other great podcasts like Just the Worst Podcast, Nerds on Topic, Topic, as well as the world famous Sofa King podcast and our little, you know, dog and pony show as well. At podbelly.com, we are an official network member of them, and we are wearing the t-shirt. So if you see us on Facebook Live or YouTube Live or just perusing the interwebs of YouTube, you'll see that I am wearing the official Podbelly t-shirt that you can one day own if you go to our Patreon. Shout out to Brad from uh, Sofa King Podcast doing big things over there. Amazing amazing (laughs) dude, amazing dude. So shout out to him. All right, shout out to our guest today because... Art, who Mr. Steve Choi, if you're so let me tell you a quick story as I introduce him. So I remember one day, you, you know my friend Chris, Chris Borbin. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. So one day we were hanging out and he was like, we we're just sharing music like crazy. We just were music obsessed, and he was like telling me about this band called RX Bandits. And I at the point I'd never heard of them, and I was like, okay, cool. Let me let me listen to them. Literally from the moment I heard it, it was like love at first sight like we literally sat in like a 105 degree car listening to because we it was just that good we didn't want it to end we were just like no i have to listen to the end of this album because every song song after song after song was just like amazing so to to honestly to have you on the podcast now it's such a privilege and i can't thank you enough for coming on steve oh thanks for having me and for making me blush over the phone already (laughs) what a flattering intro (laughs) so First question I got to ask. Got to ask because it's the main thing. So I posted this thing on my um, Instagram asking, do you guys have any questions for him that you guys want me to ask? And everybody asked the same question. When is the new RX Bandits album coming out? (laughs) What's going on with RX Bandits? Let's see. How how shall I approach this question? Um, Full disclosure, there is no plans for a new album yet. However, um, we do have some news coming soon. Unfortunately, I think that's all I can say as far as that goes right now. But um, right now is the second week of September. So um, depending on when you're listening to this, it may have already come out. But uh, if you are listening to this currently, then uh, we do have some news coming soon. Cool. So Sweet. I'm sorry, I can't say any more than that. No, that's cool. And, it's breaking news enough. And, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. So, you know, and in honesty, as of right now, there are no plans for a new album. Um, as people know, 
it's a big process for us to make records. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I bet every musician or artist says this, but um, for us too, we really try to make it quality and put our all into it. And um, until we're able to really do that again, we probably won't try and like stretch ourselves. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, you hear a band like Tool, <clears throat> who obviously they don't rush anything either. Um, but right. the the qual I I I would rather a band take a while and produce some qu- kind of quality product as opposed of to just every year just like pushing something out and just being more and more dissatisfied to the point that you're no longer a fan. So from my end, I can yeah. truly appreciate that. And then speaking on behalf of someone that's played in a couple of bands. That creative process can be rough because it's just like everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody's going to have their own vision, and you just kind of got to come together like butt cheeks and just make magic happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, oftentimes in that kind of friend situation. um, But, you know, that's the thing about music and art in general that, you know, can be frustrating but is really ultimately the part of the beauty of it, which is that there's no wrong way to do it. Everybody Mm -hmm. has their own approach and... You know, I've seen groups where one guy is the main dude and he calls all the shots. I've seen groups that are total, you know, like anarchist democracy, you know, even uh, type situations. So, yeah. Um, are, are you guys pretty even like that? It seems like it would be pretty even. Yeah, for the most part. Um, obviously, there's a lot of nuances with dynamics and member changes and stuff like that. But without giving like a seven hour long oral history of that, uh, <laughs> it's safe to say that, yeah, we, we generally try to do that as much as possible. Yes. Right on. Um, so the last time I saw you play in a band, it wasn't even the RX Bandits. I saw you in Santa Ana, I want to say the, the end of last year, beginning of this year. You were playing with the Sounds of Animals fighting. Um, what was yeah, that like? What was fun. that tour like? That tour was kind of a whirlwind because <laughs> we were basically playing major cities across the U.S., but we kind of split it up over three weeks um, because a lot of the members of the band have families and stuff they had to tend to during the week. Mm-hmm. So we were essentially flying to every show. Oh, wow. Um, needless to say, when you play, let's say... One weekend is Dallas Friday, Atlanta Saturday, Orlando Sunday. Um, by the time you like finish the show and get back to the hotel, uh, you have about three to five hours before you have to get to lobby call and so to get everybody to the airport to mm-hmm. get to the next show. So it was really exhausting. I was um, I had gotten uh, I'm pretty sure what's H1N1 the week before. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, wow. And I don't, I'm not somebody that gets sick very often. It's the first time I'd even had anything like I hadn't had a cold in like five years. So I had this like really debilitating flu that was like (laughs) literally putting me on my deathbed. So, um, that, that first will turn show and the second night at the observatory, yeah, that's the one I was already like at like 40%, maybe 40% strength. So, um, I bet. I mean, it was tiring on everybody. Our crew had to work the hardest, obviously, so I can't mm-hmm. really complain as a musician because I have it pretty easy. But um, it was probably a little bit harder on me just because, you know, I hadn't, I never really got back to full strength. It wasn't until, like, two weeks after the tour that I uh, got to really get back to my full strength. Wow. Yeah. Um, or I may sound like a major, major pussy right here, but <laughs> I swear, guys, like, I... You know, normally I'm a pretty healthy person. No, I feel you on that. Anytime me and my girlfriend, we go like on a trip, like let's say we drive to Vegas or even like a simple trip to Universal Studios. Um, I always feel, I don't know, maybe it's age or low testosterone. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I always need a, a vacation from my vacation. So like now looking back, like on all my favorite bands that go on tour, like for year and a half long tours, like going across to Europe, to South America and stuff, like my, so I guess my next question would be like, how do you maintain like that energy, like to keep going in and like day in, day out, you know, city after city, jet lag and bus lag and what, what not? Yeah. Like, how do you fight that travel, travel fatigue? Well, you know, when we were younger, when you're younger and we were in our twenties, um, you know, we would often have overnight drives while we were driving ourselves in a van. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, when you're at that age, that whole sleep deprivation, we could stand it for, you know, five, six weeks at a time. Um, 
I don't know whether it's kind of getting pampered as you get older and we became a little bit more successful and didn't have to drive ourselves in the van. We started touring in a bus and started getting older, but, uh, it took a lot less to wear us out more, you know? Mm -hmm. So these days, you know, it's the boring answer, but it's the real answer, which (laughs) is you got to just take care of yourself. You have to eat right. You have to make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Um, which, you know, there's various things you can do, like various supplements and stuff, but we all kind of grew up and stopped partying so much, which was probably another psychological boost when we were younger, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, we get to have fun until we get to forget how haggard we feel and how tired we are, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, has its own side effects and pros and cons. But, uh, you know, now that the partying is subsided and we're trying to take care of ourselves because, you know, we want to actually live a full life rather than our nihilistic, you know, 20 <laughs> yeah. something year old selves that were like, who cares about tomorrow, truly? Um, now it's just like taking care of yourself, yeah straight up <laughs> yeah you know th- that tour was really like well the show itself was kind of different because i've seen rx bandits i think i saw you guys here in we live in bakersfield california you guys played here once i saw you guys here saw you guys with cool. dredge a couple of years ago but um it was way different than the sounds of animals fighting show I, like anthony green is like jumping on top of other people and all these <laughs> things like it's it's yeah. way different <laughs> so like I'm sure that guy, I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't, like, sustain injuries during the performances. Maybe he does, and he just, like, fights through it, but that's pretty nuts. Like, uh, Anthony's crazy healthy. He's got good genes, man. He doesn't <laughs> even stretch that much, and he's stomping around, and he's good. He's healthy. i never seen him get hurt. Yeah, I saw him. He, he, like, he, like, throws, like, a light bulb inside his shirt or something. I was thinking, <laughs> man, he's going to shock himself. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> It's like Dillinger almost. Like yeah. it's like, how does someone have that much energy? <laughs> he's all over the stage and he's nuts. One quick thing about I mean, I don't really know that much about um these particular fans, but at that show and I saw them on the, the Sounds of Violence Fighting D V D that you guys did a couple of years back. But there's these fans there and they have um the um Burton Ernie dolls. <laughs> and they're oh, they yeah. seem to be at every show, like front row. Do you guys know those guys yeah. personally? Yeah, we've met them. Uh, unfortunately, I'm really bad with names, and I don't remember their names. But, yeah, we've met them all at the meet and greets. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to be, like, the super fans. Like, they're on the DVD. They're at every, like, when we saw them there, I was like, wow. I was almost just as excited to see them as I was to see you guys <laughs> just because I remember them from the DVD. Yeah. I was like, wow, amazing. Yeah, it's that's the really cool thing about that project is that it brings people really far because it's such a limited number of performances. So, you know, you meet a lot of international people from South America, from like further reaches of Europe and stuff. It's really cool. Right on, man. So speaking of um, the further reaches of life, um, what would you say like one of your favorite stops are on tour? Hmm. You know, uh, I think when I was younger and I hadn't toured that many places, it was much easier for me to pick. Um, because I was like more opinionated and didn't have a broad view. Um, but at risk of sounding kind of cheesy, like honestly, every place is pretty awesome Mm -hmm. in its own regard, minus a few that, you know, I'm sure are fine places because I I don't really feel good about talking shit on places because, you know, everybody lives somewhere and everybody has to have pride in where they live. And I respect that, but. Oh, if you want to trash Bakersfield, go ahead. (laughs) I'm going to assume that was the Bakersfield show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, you know, I was going to say Bakersfield is like, there's so many good people there, but it's not a place that I particularly vibe with myself. So yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I, could, um, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. Um, so that said, there's there's some places in like, um, I'll, I'll say this. The only places I don't really vibe with are kind of like, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, localized, whether you're in like a smaller city in Brazil or in middle America, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of cool things that you can see, but as far as like interacting with the culture, I think that it's a commonality around the world, regardless of, uh, culture, ethnicity, that you just have kind of like the quote unquote local yokels, you know? Yeah. And those zones are always a little bit less fun, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, we like, I love Asia. I love South America. I love Europe. Like uh, I've never been to Africa, so I would love to go there one day. But um, even around the U.S., I love Chicago for different reasons, and I love Austin. Um, I would say that Florida in general is not a place that I personally vibe with very well, but um, <laughs> a lot of people really love it. 
So, yeah. but that's just me, you know, not really my type of place. So, yeah. And how um, much time do you have? Such a pedestrian answer. Oh, no. I'm just trying to be like, you know. Um, how much time do you get to spend in these cities? Because, I mean, you see the, the world, basically, but how much time do you get to appreciate, you know, these, these awesome cities? You mentioned Chicago, which is like, it seems like it has endless culture. Like, how, how, how much culture do you get to experience on these tour stops? Yeah, you know, at first, when you first start touring, you're kind of just there for the day, and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. So within the first few years, it was always like, just a day, just a day, and maybe you have a day off, but generally speaking, you have days off in, in between areas. Um, so after you start touring for a certain amount of years, you've all of a sudden accrued uh, 13 stops in, say, Chicago or whatever. So you start to kind of establish the place, the places that you like to eat and uh, the music shops or like the friends you have. And then as you kind of start to have more resources on tour and you can tour more comfortably, you can start planning your days off, you know, more. And um, you can start seeing more of the cities. So uh, a tour we did a few years ago, we purposely had a few days off in New Orleans before our New Orleans show. Mm-hmm. And so when we know we have places like New Orleans or Savannah, Georgia in the U.S. that we love, um, or say, you know, Cologne in Germany, like northern Italy, Switzerland, we always try to take extra time there. Oh, um, I bet. Yeah, we did a tour in Australia called Soundwave, which is a big festival tour that hits like five, I think, of the biggest cities in Australia. Mm -hmm. And you always had like a day or two in the city around the show you played. So it's like we got to spend three days in Brisbane and then we got to spend a few days in Sydney. And so that tour was really cool because you got to really run around the city and you're just there with all these other bands and your friends. And it's like a super fun vibe, dude. Of you know of all this touring talk, is there bands that you guys have like made friend like I would say bands that you guys have toured with that you guys were fans of and like become friends over the time or you know is there bands that you wish you could tour with that you haven't gone to tour with yet? Yeah, um, I guess bands. You know, there's a ton of bands that we would love to tour with. I think we're like every other band who plays any sort of live music genre that said that they would love to tour with Radiohead or something like that, which is like a duh for everybody. (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, we've made a lot of friends. We've been lucky enough to have a really cool uh, group of musicians around us that are our peers and, you know, part of our cohort, I guess. Um, A lot of times we would take those bands on tour, you know, Um, bands like Mass and Atlases or, or uh, Good Old War, or, you know, mm-hmm. Dex Marquis, like, these sorts of bands. So, yeah, there have been a lot, you know, and there have been a lot that have gone on to, like, do big things and, like, be really successful, too, and it's super awesome. Um, speaking of some of your friends, um, do you know Donnie Phillips, the artist? Oh, yeah, Donnie's a very... Yeah. Friend, yeah. Yeah, we had him on the show a while back and we, we got into to uh some kind of deep conversations about like art and all these different things. And he's kind of a local boy here. He's from yeah. down the street from our hometown. But um Tehachapi, yeah. Yeah, yep. Tehachapi, yeah. Well, you know him really well. <laughs> you know him better than us. <laughs> um um but um he was a really great guy and I was gonna ask you, you know, kind of tie it all in because I, I saw that you guys were friends on there and I was like, Oh, that's cool. He was a friend of the show. But um for the artwork on your album covers, is is there is that does that tie into the concept? You know, like um, uh, one of my favorite album covers is your um, and the battles begun album cover. Is, lyrically uh-huh. and musically, like, is that tie into to to that to 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 the actual artwork of the, of the album? Like the the lyrics tie into that album cover because they just seem so colorful and it seems to tie in perfectly with the music. Like all your album covers seem to tie in with the the vibe of of the music and it's it's hard to explain but I, every time i see it it just like resonates so well i don't know if that's something you guys plan out or it's you guys just thought it was a cool piece of art and decided that should be the album cover honestly um well to address your question first um it's not a intentional like direct design like that but i think what you're experiencing as far as like how you perceive the music now and now that that album is old, you've been with that album for a long time. And for you to like be so familiar with the music and picture that album cover, 
I've had that same experience with records that I love, you know, and like so many people have, right? Like all the way back, like many, many years. Um, The reason I bring that up is because I think that's part of our approach in RX, which was this collective theme. And like Matt writing most of the lyrics, I can't get into his head um, too much about what his motivation was at the time. But what I do know is that his lyrical uh, subject matter, I think, was as diverse and kind of free in its range as our music was, mm-hmm. as which created like the space for us to be visually free. We, there was no like, this doesn't look cool, that doesn't look cool. <laughs> it was like, this music is trying to do everything and be nothing and be everything all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why can't our art? And so at the time, um, Aaron Nagel, one of my oldest best friends, and very close friend of, of the band to, to all of us. Um, he was coming up to the studio in Sacramento that we were tracking and the battle begun at. And that's kind of when he began the conception of that painting. He was literally in the main tracking room with us while we were playing. Wow. And uh, there's some photographs of this, but um, you know, it was, uh, it was a hot summer and um yeah that's how that particular piece of art came together so how that ties into the question is um there while there was no intentional design i think that's kind of part of this resonant energy that happens around mm-hmm. something and i think people sometimes call it an aesthetic or they call it a brand and i think these are kind of uh quantifications or words that don't necessarily really capture everything that goes into it but it's a it's an attempt at articulating it you know um and so uh i don't know i i guess i hope it doesn't sound pretentious but i just feel like it was more than uh, an ethos for us it was more than a brand it was more than you know that type of thing it was like it was this thing that we had in dialogue while we were sitting there talking about our music and it was things that we all felt innately within ourselves and so when we all came together the music sounded like it we dressed like it we looked like it on stage nobody dressed the same like we all had these like weird styles you know and that was in a time where there were a lot of bands who had a very specific look so by those time standards you know we look kind of crappy but i you know i look at pictures of ourselves and i'm like oh i thought we looked you know pretty cool for whatever at that time (laughs) so um i think that was all part of it and you know it was awesome that we had a friend like aaron who i think could really get that vibe and he was able to approach the cover art in that way too so yeah sounds like a, a a shared experience like you guys are making the music you know, for this art form. And then you have a friend that's making the artwork. So it's just like, you guys are kind of coming together and schmelting basically, um, you know, a bit, something bigger than the actual music. Like that's a, the most beautiful yeah. way I've ever heard of, you know, yeah. something coming together like that. We're just very lucky to get to share that. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people try to do that. And I think a lot of people succeed and a lot of people fail. And mm-hmm. there's been definitely times where we failed the collaborations, but when it comes together and works out like that, it is really, really beautiful. And, you know, memories like that are what will allow me to die a happy person. Ooh, that's beautiful and deep. Wow. Just touched my left wow. ventricle right now. Wow. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, these are like big subjects, big memories for me, you know? So, oh, no, it's yeah, beautiful, dude. Feelings about them. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, you know, sound, sound for me always, like, resonates, like, a certain color in my head you know if i would hear that album i wouldn't think like icebergs and winter like yeah it, it seems like a very colorful that's why i always associate that that album cover like being perfect to, to that you know like you know some of the subject matter seems like it's relationship based and there's a woman on the cover and like but it's abstract and it's colorful and it's mysterious yeah at the same time it's kind of inviting and that's why i've always loved that album cover and it fits so perfect with that album and like you know the album starts off very like abstract and there's abstract moments yet yeah, still you know there's pop elements to it as well mm-hmm. so i i you know perfect like it, it just goes hand in hand perfectly and now to know that he was in the studio while you know painting it while you guys were recording that totally makes sense like it it goes perfectly together so 
I wish more artists did that, to be honest with you, because that just sounds like the perfect marriage, like mu- like music with anything, like it, it, music yeah. and chicken wings. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, that you'd make like a better product. At you'd that make point. a better chicken wing if you had. Oh, yeah. Come on, wing stop. <laughs> Step it up, baby. <laughs> if they just had Princess yeah. Purple Rain playing in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, were you going to say something, I- Steve? Oh, nothing. I was just going to corroborate that and say, I think there's a lot of cool uh, collaborations like that that are going on. And I really love seeing all the ways that mediums and uh, artistic mediums can be interfaced for these kind of collaborations, you know? And at the same time, it's also, you know, we see that it also sounds like the setup for like a nightmare local show or something, you know? So, (laughs) yeah, you know, it could go either way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, well, one of the questions I had, and it's probably a little basic question, but what what brought you to music? I mean, we've we've had episodes where we've spent like two or three hours talking about like our journey through music. Like, I believe the first cassette I ever bought was like the Ninja Turtles um, Pizza Hut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> collaboration, and then we had Donnie on, and I believe he said that his first tape was Ace, Ace of Base, yeah. the sign. So it's always <laughs> interesting to find out how people, you know fell in love with music so what was your journey in music man hmm okay let me try and uh (laughs) put this into some sort of like cohesive uh uh response um mine is really long i'm not that old but my my journey is like really long already just because i started playing music when i was so young so i started playing the piano when i was four Um, I don't think my parents planned on starting me that young. I think they were planning on starting me just like a lot of parents want their kids to play an instrument, you know, especially like Korean parents like mine. Um, But I remember specifically one day seeing my older sister playing and just being so, uh, I guess, you know, like childlike bewilderment at the fact that she could like move all these fingers and get all this sound. So, She's seven years older than me. She was 11 at the time. And I remember going to my mom being like, I want to do that too. Thinking that I had like, you know, started this thing that was my idea all the while. Like they were obviously going to have me play piano anyway. So (laughs) I started, I started playing piano at four at nine. I started playing the cello in school. And then I remember on uh, November 1st, the morning after Halloween, um, in the fifth grade, so I had just turned 10, I saw the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit. Now, prior to that, I had already been listening to, you know, like I had I had Guns N' Roses on my radar. I had Paula Abdul tapes. <laughs> I had Bobby Brown tapes. So we're right in the um, same vein, baby. I was baby. obviously like Michael Jackson and obsessed as a child of the 80s. Uh, but when I saw Nirvana and I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, much like people talk about, it was like this, this, it wasn't just introducing me to new music. It completely changed my view on the world. Completely. Because I come from a suburban Northern California city that's idyllic and beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, I had been watching MTV and taking in these basic like mainstream media. But now like parts of the subculture was starting to break through the mainstream media only to be ultimately exploited by, but whatever, that's a different subject. But, uh, so I saw that completely blew my mind. And from then I started being obsessed with the guitar and the drums. I would air drum. I would try to get my hands on any guitar I could as friends. So ultimately I joined jazz band because they had a guitar and a bass guitar. Nice. So the jazz band, they didn't want a drummer. They didn't, uh, actually they weren't going to have a guitar in junior high. So I said, I'll play bass. Like seriously, just let me play the bass. So I started playing, uh, the electric bass I got happy because I got to take it home so I started like learning Pearl Jam bass lines and I would learn like the second verse in lithium like after the first chorus where that (laughs) descending bass line is yep Um, I learned the beginning of Lounge Act you know following that Mm -hmm. on Nevermind sorry I'm still talking about the Nirvana album no that's Um, awesome yeah Um, and then from there we get into high school I start playing drums in jazz bands, so I start being able to bring up my drum chops. Um, from playing bass guitar in jazz band, I started playing the string bass. And from there, since I had already played the cello, 
the bass is tuned in different intervals. The cello is tuned in fifths, but mm. the bass is tuned in fourths. So it wasn't really too much for my head to get around. So I started playing like orchestral uh, double bass, like with a bow. Oh, wow. um, the same bass that most people would see jazz bass players plucking, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I was playing drums in jazz band, I also started doing concert band in high school and marching band. Um, so I got this really, 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 really diverse musical education from my young age to high school. Um, and then like after Nirvana, I naturally found my way into skateboarding and punk rock. And so I started playing in punk bands and yeah, that's kind of like the brief overview of how I got, how I got into music, how I loved music from young and then how I found a new love for music that was outside of classical music, you know? Yeah, that's awesome because when you were talking about how you were learning bass lines off of Nevermind, like that's exactly how I started playing guitar too because I really wanted to play guitar. My heroes were Slash, Kurt Hammett from Metallica, um, you know, Marty Friedman and whatnot. So I wanted to, I wanted to shred, you know, my little chubby fingers wanted to shred, but my cousin, (laughs) (laughs) my cousin had left a bass over at our house and he would notoriously do this. I think I still have some weights that he left at my house from like 1992, but (laughs) Um, (laughs) he left an electric bass at my house for like a good four or five months. And, um, I just picked it up. It was like, you know what? It's almost like, you know, I'm like an electric guitar. So I jumped on the, um, ultimate guitar, looked up tabs for nevermind. And I'm playing like everything that Chris Novoselic is playing as well. Cause I mean, it's a very bass friendly album. And it's funny when you said that lithium, I was like, yep, that's exactly (laughs) where I started too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I've bonded with so many people like over that, you know, and I love hearing about that because it's so awesome to share that common experience, you know. Yeah. Um, my my mom finally rented me a guitar from the local music store. It was a three quarter size electric guitar, uh-huh. and uh, I would walk over to the strip mall where there was this drugstore with the magazine rack, and I would go look at the guitar magazine tabs, but I didn't have any money to buy them. Uh-huh. And I remember looking at this tab for Rage Against the Machine's bomb track, um, <laughs> and I didn't really understand really what a tab was, but I kind of, kind of got it. Like there are these things that we do, I think when we're kids that we're like, we're able to do them, but we don't fully understand them. And I remember just like kind of remembering going, okay, so that's number. It it means which fret it is. Okay. And I remember kind of looking through the intro of that, trying to remember it and then walking home and then plucking it out on the guitar and like eventually figuring out like, not a totally correct, but like this kind of haggard version of bomb check. <laughs> and then from there it really blossomed because I was able to understand tabs better. And yeah. even though I knew music and I knew how music theory and how to read music, mm-hmm. it was so fun for me to learn guitar in that way because guitar already felt like outside of the rules of my classical world. Yeah. So, you know, from there I was getting like tabs for under the bridge. I remember I would oh, get, yeah. I would uh, go look at the tabs for like even flow and alive from Pearl Jam's 10, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, Man, that's, you know, so early on for you guys, you guys are basically a ska band early on. So like, you know, even now as, as like the arts bandits has progressed, you guys' musical backgrounds expanded even more over the years. So. I, you know, I, yeah. I would have never associated you guys to like Nirvana or something, but it, it makes sense. You know, like, yeah. I think everybody's somehow, uh, you know, influenced by Nirvana. Yeah. I, it's safe to say that all of us in the band were like really had been impacted by Nirvana, you know, yeah. huge, huge impact. I think, I think, I think Donnie brought that up too. Man, you you guys have a lot in common. <laughs> you, <laughs> you and Donnie. Oh uh, yeah. Donnie and I, uh, we go back, you know. Yeah, we go back a long ways. We we used to play in a band like twelve years ago together. Oh wow, I didn't know. Um, we also had. Well, a... yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say we met because uh, my good friend Roger and my partner and he's toured with RX. We produced Donnie's old band's record that he was in with his twin brother called the Warriors. Warriors? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, we're so very Roger and I produced a Warriors record, and back in two thousand four. Uh, called Beyond the Noise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've been friends ever since. So I guess that's 15 years of friendship now. <laughs> oh, sweet. Wait, yeah, I think you brought that up. Now this is all coming full circle now. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, he he did talk about that. Um, yeah. We also had the Silver Snakes on here. You know them, right, the Silver Snakes? 
Yeah, so same deal. Alex is a good friend. Yeah. I mean, they're good buds of ours, and Roger and I produced a record of uh, theirs, too. Yeah, they, we have them on here. Man, it's all coming full circle right now. Welcome to the family. Yeah. <laughs> right on. You guys are all really nice guys. That's the one thing you guys all seem to have in common. Thanks. <laughs> um, let me think. So one of the things I did ask both of those guys, um, so we had Silver Snakes on here, we had Donnie Phillips, and we, I asked both of them, have you guys, because we deal with a lot of, like, we talk about paranormal things. Jacob grew up in a haunted house. Have you ever, totally off the wall, but have you ever experienced any type of paranormal activity in your life? Or yeah. seen anything strange? Yeah. Um, I would say that ultimately I'm a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I like to think of myself as somebody who's like most of my beliefs of like the universe we live in and, and our natural world are, are based on science, you know? Um, I've had some experiences that I, I still can't really explain. And I, I ask myself whether or not like I'm exaggerating them in memory. Um, but there was a time when I was 20, I think I was 22 or 23. I was still living in Northern California with my mom, but I was RX was touring full time. And um, even though we were touring heavily, you know, I was still home maybe three or four months out of the year. And my, my grandfather had passed away one of those times that I was home in between tours. And uh, the days following him passing away, there were a lot of weird things happening in the house that I had never experienced before. Um, I am a scaredy cat. Like, I don't like watching horror movies and stuff because <laughs> I have an overactive imagination. But um, there were things like, you know, we had this fridge in the house. And whether it was the angle of the kitchen or the way the fridge was arranged, the door always shut surely because it just fell shut on its own. You know what I mean? Like if I forgot to close it, it eventually would just like go boom and and close. Mm -hmm. Like there was this one time where I got something out of it. I turned around and I closed it because, you know, I would still get yelled at for leaving it open (laughs) if it was closing slowly or something like that by my mom. But um, I came back a few minutes later and like it was open. And it was in like this ever so slight motion. Um, there was other like sensations around that, but I think that's pretty much the only thing that I've experienced in my life that I can say I believed was like paranormal type thing. Only bring it up because we talk about a lot of paranormal things on here, so I always like to throw a curveball in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got anything, Jacob? Oh no, um, I I I think. Because we did, what did we do? An episode on exorcism, and then it's always kind of freaked me out a little bit because I I'm I believe like you, like there's always got to be an explanation for something. Like it can't be you know just goblins and whatever you know out there. And one theory that I thought was interesting, like everybody has you know their different religious beliefs and whatnot. And Art always you know he's more of a non-believer than um, I am you know religiously. Um, and that, you know, that's just humans way of explaining things away. But one theory that I thought was interesting is this, that like, there's just negative energy and then there's positive energy and it's kind of like a star, <laughs> star Wars reference as well. But like those negative and positive energies, like they feed off of, you know, your emotions. So when you talk about like, you know, your, your grandfather had recently passed away. I mean, that house had probably had a lot of you know, um, remorse and, you know, just sadness there. And so those, those energies, whatever those energies might be, whether it be like little tiny ions or whatnot, you know, they feed chlorions, chlorions. There you go. That's the word I was searching for. (laughs) Well, you know, they were feeding off of that, you know, quote unquote negative energy. So that could explain why, you know, you were seeing or feeling creepy things like that, like the refrigerator opening up on itself. So I always think that's interesting because, you know, maybe it's not as simple as angels or demons. Maybe it's just, you know, just energy here on earth, like, like magnets and, and whatnot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There could have been a window open changing the air pressure. Yeah, no, that's true. Know, <laughs> changing because, yeah. you know, mag- fridges operate on a vacuum magnet vacuum type thing. So, you know, um, I don't know. Strange All I know is happen. that I have a feeling that if we ever get an answer, people are going to find out that 
all of these different theories and all of these different ideologies are a lot closer to each other than we all realized. <laughs> yeah, true. And then you'll still have people that like b- won't believe that and it's all a government conspiracy <laughs> or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all feeding the diversity of all the different, you know, people on earth. So, mm-hmm. you know, while some are more difficult and, and hard to understand and accept the existence of, you know, it all has its place, I suppose. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, Jacob talked about conspiracy theories and political things, I suppose. But, you know, you guys are pretty, pretty progressive. You know, you guys are kind of outspoken, had some political songs. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about how do you feel about our current current president? I, I just feel like you guys seem pretty enlightened and like pretty progressive. I just I always like to hear people, you know, articulate, you know, their opinions on on a guy that maybe isn't so progressive and <laughs> and yeah, maybe yeah. not that True. bright. Yeah. Uh, that's I guess I'm I'm naive in thinking that I had no idea we would even discuss this. But uh that's a tough one. Um as I'm sure you can guess, you probably can, you know or what I was trying to say is you can probably guess like, you know, where I stand as far as mm-hmm. being down for him to be in that position of power or not. Yeah. Which is to say that I'm very much not. Um, however, I do understand what he represents and who he represents and who that resonates with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he does so many things that are so blatantly publicly foolish. It seems, I guess, I don't know if I'm right. It seems like it's more than any other president i've seen <laughs> but yeah. i don't really know <laughs> yeah i feel like we gave bush a lot uh, of crap but this guy's on a different level yeah yeah and when you kind of tack him onto or i guess the other way around when you tack all the things that have risen up under him which he you know definitely be complicit in or not you know it's like at the end of the day, how do any of us know unless we actually spend time with the guy? Everything mm-hmm. we see and read is manipulated in some direction. Yeah, that's at true. This point. Um, all, all, it's hard for me, dude. I think like a lot of people in the beginning, I had a lot of anxiety day to day about it. It mm-hmm. caused a lot of negative feelings and negative thoughts. And I had these kind of reactionary impulses. Um, and there were so many things thrown out besides that that required so much deep intense thought like for example violence against white supremacy you know or what the right way to approach this is and all these different things is that quite frankly dude the only thing i know is i'm overwhelmed it's overwhelming i don't support anything that's going on but to try and articulate like a real uh opinion that I feel like means anything on this stuff is so difficult for me because I'm still so emotional, especially as like a minority in America, a a classically marginalized minority being an Asian male in America. Yeah. Um, I have so many of my own biases, but that said, aside from that, I've tried to like really grow beyond that. And for lack of a better term, not have a chip on my shoulder. And I feel like I've been able to do that. And this stuff is challenging because it's so triggering for a lot of that (laughs) for me. So a lot of this has been like an exercise in mindfulness for me, not to just like be jumping out at people, you know, because it's tough. Like all of us, we have these people that we can't just denounce that are within our families, our friends, our coworkers that support what's going on. And so like we all say, we all know this. It's definitely divisive. For sure. So, I mean, my only thoughts is I'm just trying to, like, center myself and remember what values are important to me, which is, like, taking care of each other, love, I guess not letting ourselves get totally fucked over by all the corporate greed in America. Yeah. Because I'm not going to just speak in kind of, like, ambiguous terms of, like, I just want peace and stuff. Like I understand that there's way more things to address. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to find my way through this without like hating a bunch of people 
and feeling negative yeah. <laughs> and understanding like how complicated this truly is now. It's because it's more self-destructive. If you've done anything, yeah. you've definitely turned this whole conversation into a massive clusterfuck. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm glad you said all that because that resonates really hard with me because when we first started this podcast, like we didn't know really what direction we were going to go with it. Um, it was always just kind of like an idea of like, hey, man, we have really interesting conversations in the car. And, you know, when we launched our first episode, it was about Trump, you know. The <laughs> he had just gone elected, I think. From yeah. And the the title of it is called Pinche Trump, which is like, you know, Spanish for fucking Trump. Like, <laughs> yeah, Pinche <and> Trump. <laughs> it's so we basically, I, I don't recommend listening to it. I mean, I still agree with a lot of what I said, but it was so uh-huh. far on one side of it. And so I, I listened back to it's myself. super liberal. Let's just go. Yeah. It's pretty liberal. But. What you said, though, is is like I was very I was letting myself be divisive and kind of like separating myself away from everybody else who thought differently. Now, when I take a step back on it and I was getting feedback and I still get feedback on the show to this day and you hear like the other sides of some of these arguments, it's like, okay, I might not agree with you, but I got to look at it through your eyes, you know, your viewpoint on you know, what, whatever it might be, maybe it's just abortion or whatnot. But, you know, I think what I've learned by doing this podcast is like you said, you know, make sure that you're doing everything that represents your values correctly. Um, and try to reach out to those people that you might not agree with. Like, you know, I have a couple of friends that have been on this podcast and they totally don't agree with what we say, um, politically or, you know, just, how we are as people but i try to find that common denominator because you don't want them to look at you and think okay you're the enemy no i'm a friend you know and if i can be that bridge to help that person maybe even just change their 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 train of thought that opens the door for because you're not never going to change somebody's mind by yelling at them on social media or yelling at them exactly you know at a coffee shop or whatever um, or at a rally or whatnot, you're going to change their mind when they want their mind to be changed. And the only way you're going to change somebody's mind about something you might feel passionately about and you might be actually right about is if you're a living example of that. That's so far as given by like our great leaders and martyrs in history, that seems to be the most effective in large scale, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like I said, the thing that makes it so complicated is like, people themselves are so complicated yes <laughs> i don't know the story of the person who feels compelled to be a member of antifa mm-hmm. i don't know what they've been through where they feel like the only way to address this is to punch that person in the mouth you know yeah um i i can't judge that i don't if you were to ask me what i think of it i think i don't think you're going to change a racist's mind by punching them <laughs> yeah you know you're probably going to um, like but, you know almost like justify why they're so racist now by punching them. Right. Because I feel like, and again, this is my opinion from afar. I haven't put the work that these people have in. I haven't put the work that even uh, a white nationalist has, you know, (laughs) in marching for their beliefs. But the point is, is that like the way I see it is I don't think that's going to help. But again, I don't know their story. And Mm -hmm. while it sounds dismissive or kind of like, uh, neutral. I do firmly believe that, like everybody, not only should be doing what they feel compelled to do in general, they pretty much generally are going to anyway. So, agreed. I mean, I think you know we we live in this like total social media era right now, right? I actually just recently had to like take a break from like Facebook and all these things just because. It was so overwhelming, you know, and not that I want to be shut away from people's opinions, but sometimes it's like, you know, I don't need to know every single one of your opinions, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, and and it creates such, such, such a divisive narrative right now where it's Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, the president that we have in office and the amount of like, you know, how social media is like oversaturated right now it's really affecting like you know you know people's people's souls really like you know like it's hard to like wake up and feel positive about where this country is going where the minute you turn on your phone and you see like well i guess this like white nationalist got punched and mm-hmm. this other thing happened over here and now like people are saying racist things about other things and like it just feels yeah. so negative i i had mm-hmm. to totally like unplug from that 
Yeah. I, and there's times where I feel like I'm being pulled in multiple directions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not doing enough. What should I do? What can I do? Um, yeah, it's just really tough. It's it's tough. It's it's already a tough time to be a human being on planet Earth, you know. Mm-hmm. But being a human being on planet Earth within a society, within a localized society and localized culture like cities, jobs, social structures, it's gnarly time. It's a gnarly time, and so you know, I commend everybody, you guys, everybody else out there who's just at least trying to stay centered with themselves and not feed the madness you know i think too you're doing it you're paying you're playing a big part in you know the positive aspect of this world by you know creating great music i mean you're not gonna change people like i said change people's minds by yelling at them but by being an example if if i see you know one of my favorite artists of all time is trent reznor um, he, has he fallen down a lot? Has he made a lot of mistakes? Yes. You know, one of the, one of our episodes that we're coming out with here is about Charles Manson and, you know, he recorded, you know, the downward spiral at, you know, the Tate, um, uh, Polanski house. And, you know, he, you know, in his younger days, you know, he, you know, thought that was cool or whatever. And then he ran into Sharon Tate's sister and he kind of changed his viewpoint on that. And to me, like, that resonated with me, like, that he was open enough to be like, oh, okay, this really affects this person that, you know, I'm almost glorifying what happened here. This was somebody's sister. What if that happened to my sister? And I remember hearing that story, like, fuck, I was like 11 or 12, and I was thinking, like, okay, you have to be more open-minded to how your actions affect other people. So, and then it made me appreciate even what he was doing in his music even more so so with you guys with your music what you do and even that story about you know how the artist came in and drew your album art you know when you guys were recording in the studio you know everything that you guys do that's having some kind of impact on somebody's life it's planting some positive seed in someone's heart and i think that's that's beautiful that's your job as a musician that so you are doing enough to answer that question Oh, thank you. I just feel lucky. I I honestly just feel fortunate that I have something that I love enough that um, is generally something that brings people joy. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really cool, you know? Yeah, it, does. Um, it definitely makes up for all the years where it was we were struggling to make a living doing it. <laughs> <laughs> when you were struggling... Um... Did you ever think about giving up, or was your were you like a, a racehorse, like the blinders were on, like it was just like I don't care if I'm down and out, like did you just kept going? Yeah, it was more um, tragic. I think it was kind of like this better works. I don't know anything else. You know, I'm just gonna <laughs> keep going, like you know, I already have the odds stacked against me in so many ways. I don't come from a family of musicians. You know, mm-hmm. um, my parents aren't particularly excited that I didn't pick a more uh, object, objectively lucrative career, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, for me, um, I don't know if I, I don't look at it as like, I guess it was just young bravado where I was mm-hmm. like, if I want it bad enough, it has to happen. And it's like, you know, um, it's the only thing I know and love and, you know, there's many other things that I love to do as well, but talking about contributing something to like the world, even in the the small number of people we've touched with our music. Um, I feel really satisfied making music and aside from putting it outwards and connecting with other people, there's like kind of a psychological necessity for it for me, just because I constantly have music in my head. Um, not mm-hmm. like people say like, Oh, I, I love music. It's like, no, like literally it keeps me up. Sometimes it drives me crazy. I literally constantly have music in my head. Kept the exercise it original out. music that I'm creating. Oftentimes it's songs that I've listened to. Oftentimes it's songs that I don't like. I know a lot of people get songs stuck in their head, but this has happened to me on an extremely intense level my whole life. So um, yeah. Do you have any guilty pleasures uh, that you would like to share with us? Yeah. Um, I have a lot. I have a lot of weird interests. I, I, I've been it, really bro. getting into cricket. I like model trains. I like <laughs> modeling in general, like mm-hmm. building models. 
I sound like a serial killer right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching YouTube videos like of all these like German and Swiss model builders that build these really elaborate train sets, and they're beautiful. It's really relaxing. Um, I've been trying I'm to a, get into model cars, so that actually sounds really cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. I, I like I like things that display humans' ability to make awesome stuff in okay. general now. Uh, as far as guilty pleasure, though, for real, because those are just kind of like insecure guilty pleasures because I think that people will think I'm nerdy. Yeah. And I really shouldn't care about that at my age. No. Which I guess I don't really. But actual guilty pleasure for me would be like English Premier League. It's so corporate driven and it facilitates so much <laughs> like, uh It facilitates so much with like just this overrun capitalism on steroids and corporate greed but <laughs> i just love the game i'm a sucker for it so that's definitely a guilty pleasure yeah I, we're working on the same way we're both like football like american football and it's like you know it's like total corporate greed and like they're getting paid millions of dollars but they're basically they treat their players them. terrible yeah. yeah it's like cte is an issue and everything's an issue yeah. and yeah but yeah, we well, still buy the jersey fifa and the english premier league are no better so oh yeah <laughs> What about music-wise? Music, music's you know a, a big bread and butter for me and Jacob. Is there a guilty pressure? We talked about Ace of Base with Donnie Phillips for for quite a while because everybody at this <laughs> table loves Ace of Base. Dude, is yes. there something There's there? No guilty pleasure. There's no guilty pleasure in music for me. I can justify everything I like. Um, Ace of Base is awesome. I mean, those are really high quality, high fi sound, right? Awesome grooves <laughs> and really catchy melodies. Like, where can you go wrong there? No. Um, infallible one question I, I i try to ask every guest but sometimes it gets away from me um but you know hey you opened the door you said there's no guilty pleasure here so gun to your head yeah. this is a serious question okay and there is a correct answer here um desert island and you can only pick one band's catalog between these two bands backstreet boys or in sync. Damn. That I think they're like the same group to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a difference. No, I know there's a difference. <laughs> I know I just I just became a blaspheme, but to me, it's like Bigfoot or Gravedigger. They're just like both monster <laughs> trucks and I'm not really into monster trucks, you know? Um I, I might say I'd have to say in sync though. Okay. You just broke Jacob's heart. Yeah. It doesn't sad. really affect me. I'm kind of, I just know the hits. That so. was such a random pick though. That was such a <laughs> random pick. Like, I have no actual, I'm not compelled to make that pick. So I'm okay. sorry. Well, when you, when you sit down and you have a song in your head, like just rethink that and then just hit us up on Instagram or whatever. And then we'll, we'll rebroadcast it. If that changes, which I'm pretty sure it will, because when you go down the catalog, Backstreet kind of got a little bit more hits on their hands, but hey, I'm open to being wrong as well. So. To uh, evolve that same question, Desert Island, you have to pick one album. I know you love music, but you only get to take one album with you. Which album would it be? Oh man, every time I might be the worst person on earth at answering this question. That's I, all good. I may be a dickhead, but I honestly would take no album then. Ooh. And I would just listen to the music in my head because most of my favorite songs I can pretty much replay in my head from like front to back. Dude, that's Ooh. beautiful. Um, I mean, it's. I don't mean to make myself sound like I have some amazing ability. Honestly, it's as much of a nuisance as it is a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Kanye West of Rx Bandits. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe I would hope to. I would hope to think that you know, if I had the means to put out every single idea I had, though. I wouldn't put them out so unrefined, <laughs> just <laughs> straight like blah. Here you go. <laughs> um, but as far as guilty pleasures, I guess the furthest thing that maybe people would expect is like I'm into a lot of like female pop vocalists. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to separate myself from their story and who they are because my honest opinion is although there are definitely artists that do not fall under this. They break this rule. They write all their own music. They're complete control. Most of the artists that songs I like, the songwriter, 
the producer, the performers, it's such this collaborative effort that is only has like a face put to it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I listen to those songs. When I listen to like a Katy Perry song I like or a Taylor Swift song I like, I'm not listening to Taylor Swift or Katy Perry in my mind. You know, they're just like the vocalist. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like a laboratory. It's like those impossible burgers you see like on like Burger King and uh, Carl's Jr. Like, yeah, they're selling you this a meatless burger, but yeah, there's like 75 different chemicals that made that burger. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I, I, I just had one of those. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy the taste. <laughs> just shut up and eat your impossible burger. Yeah, I get what you're saying. On yeah. That. Yeah. I can dig that. Yeah, so, um, you know, that said, I, I listen to a lot of that. Cool, man. You, well, I don't know, man. You, you've been on the phone with us for about an hour now, so... You got anything else? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? Any anything? Any hints? Any R expanded hints we can squeeze <laughs> out of you? <laughs> All I can say is we have an announcement coming soon. So if any of you care about R expanded, you can tune into any of our socials. Um, if you follow any of us, you'll see some stuff coming out. Uh, I have a side project that's a lot more aggressive, heavy, wild music. It's called Peaced Out. We have a record coming out soon. So you can look out for that. It's a full length. It's called Feelings Blade. Sweet. Nice. All right. Um, that's it. Right on, man. Well, we can't thank you enough, man. It's It's been a pleasure having you on. You, you've been a hero of mine for years and years. And ever since I first heard you in a five, I was it was like a 105 degree car with my friend Chris. And we're like listening to it because it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I can't. And, and just you know and the battle's begun to change my life so i I can't thank you enough for making that album so from from the bottom of my heart thank you thank you no problem man anytime and i really appreciate uh you sitting in that car and enjoying our music (laughs) it really means and has given us everything that we have so thank you cool no problem man thank you again for coming on the podcast we'll hope to speak to you sometime in the future again awesome you guys right, have man. yourselves a good night. You too, man. All have right, a beautiful one, man. man. Have a good one. Take care. All right. So this is like what? Our sixth or seventh S- interview? Yeah. Sounds about right. Sixth or seven. I love that one, man. He's a really chill guy. And I, I he like. He kept reminding me of Donnie, man. I don't yeah. know why, but I was like, yeah, this is Donnie all over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, too, like you, you got in there with like the political aspect of it because. That that really you could tell it through for a little curveball, but I I appreciate that because it was like an organic response, you know. Like that's how I felt I would have been if uh, you know Rolling Stone was like interviewing me or Circus or whatever, you yeah. know. I'm just here to talk about my band, you know. But oh, okay, yeah, feel free, yeah, I'll yeah. talk about that. So, kudos to you on that, dude. Thanks, man. You know, if you're an RX Bandits fan, if you're a Sounds Metal's Fighting fan, and you've never heard our podcast, and you just check this out to listen to the interview. Thank you. Thank you for sticking through this. Yeah, thank you. And if, yeah, if you want to continue listening to the Art and Jacob Do America experience, <laughs> no, it's just called Art and Jacob Do America, um, you know, go ahead and subscribe or check us out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, follow, us on, follow us on all social media at Art and Jacob Do America. The Instagram is where I would really uh, concentrate following us on because yeah. I post up pictures almost every day. I try to do it four times a week. And then I add cute little stories with music and stuff. I have a ball doing that, so I'm going to have fun doing this one as well. Um, check us out on Twitter. Um, it's the only place we're not at Art and Jacob Do America. It's at Art and Jacob Do A1. So just think of the hot sauce and somebody doing something very perverted to that hot sauce or um, steak sauce bottle. Steak sauce. Yeah, steak yeah. sauce. I, I knew what you meant, though. Don't yeah. worry. I knew Everybody what you Everybody does. I mean, come on, man. Um, and then also, too, make sure you go to podbelly.com. That yeah, is man. the official network for this podcast. I guess you could say the official home, but we do have a website as I've, well. I've been listening to uh, We're Not Sure Yet a lot. They're pretty good, man. Not as good as us, but pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the female equivalent to Art and Jacob, I would say, kind of. Yeah. They kind of cover some of the same topics as well. And they're also from Bakersfield. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good stuff, man. They did a, a Disney episode, and I was kind of burnt. I wanted to be on that. Oh, really? Damn. I we love d- Disney. We did do one, though. Yeah, we did one, but, you know, I just like talking Disney. Anytime I get a chance to talk Disney, I'm about Do you know that. what we should really do? We should really do, like, like, the, like speaking of Disney, like those um, after-school Disney shows, like Gummy Bears and Darkwing Who's your favorite gargoyle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope, dude. 
Um, yeah, so check us out on podbelly.com. And also check us out at Art and Jacob Do America at Art and Jacob Do America dot podbean dot com. That's our official website. Um, Keith, uh, who's been on a couple episodes, he's starting to write blogs for us as well. So shout out to him. Shout out to him. Yes, indeed. And one more thing too: make sure you go to our Patreon at Art and Jacob Do America and throw us a couple shekels because as great as this podcast already is and with all the millions and millions of listeners out there we can always be better we can always upgrade stuff so uh this podcast is for free and to keep it free let's go ahead and throw us some little shekels and i will send you something out in the mail i can't guarantee what that will be in 20 years or tomorrow or next month but you will get something for donating you know uh, if you start donating now at least one dollar what, where are we at? September? September September, September 29th. Just passed. So, um, you know, it's what, September 12th? Yeah, September 12th. So, you know, if you keep donating, by the time we get to October, I will hand make you a paper mask and mail it to you. So, Ooh, there you go. Tell your mom and your boo boo too. Shout out Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out Elizabeth Warren. Shout out Fightback CBD. Go to fightbackcbd.com and type in America for 10% off at checkout. There you Tell go. Tell them Art and Jacob sent you. And with that said, everybody, do you got anything else? Hit me up on Robots vs. Robots at Instagram, but nowhere else. (laughs) (laughs) So with that said, everybody, have a wonderful night. Good night.